which quick aside, if Jesus Christ resurrects, comes back right now and wants to start a business with you, make sure you have a contract that outlines every single detail of every single possibility with a full partnership agreement, rights of refusal, every T crossed, every I dotted, period, no matter what. Or don't go into business with Jesus because if it can go left, it will go left. What up, what up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to the Spun Today podcast, the podcast that is anchored in writing, but unlimited in scope. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz, and I appreciate you listening. In this episode, I speak about the sad yet entertaining and unfortunate breakup of the Joe Budden podcast, at least as we know it. And I also chronicle some of the events leading up to it. I also speak about an amazing scripted audio drama theater for the mind podcast bronzeville who has just begun to release its second season stick around for that it's a really good one i also take a deep dive into some ufo talk stick around for all that good stuff but first and foremost here's a quick way you can help support this show you can support the spun today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support there you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes also if you're into cycling you can cop the super soft comfortable minimalist design spun today bike club t-shirt also available in a bunch of different colors in all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. Spuntoday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spuntoday logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other, which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spuntoday podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. The JBP boys are not in business. Well, at least not how we're used to seeing them. What am I talking about? The Joel Budden podcast, which had an amazing run going on about seven years, if I'm not mistaken, hosted by Joe Budden. And his co-hosts, Rory and Maul, had a very public, a very messy breakup. I've spoken about the podcast in previous episodes of this podcast in reference to like the beef between the Joe Budden podcast and the Brilliant Idiots podcast with Charlemagne and Andrew Schultz. Also, more recently with Rory and Maul coming back on to the Joe Budden podcast after a, a, about a month-long hiatus. And me, you know, being happy to see them back together. Because to me, the show is and became what it was off the strength of the chemistry between those three. Between Joe, Rory, and Maul. And that's definitely not to say that Joe can't push the podcast forward with his new co-hosts or rotating co-hosts, as he alluded to on a recent episode. You know, maybe he can. It's definitely not the same to me. But nothing is in the beginning, right? Maybe he can build it up to the same level or, or even higher than it was with Rory and Maul. And it's also not to say that Rory and Maul can't go off and either do their own podcast if they choose to, which Maul actually teased about, but I'll get to that in a bit, and that they won't be successful in their own right without Joe. Who knows? I wish them all the best, but the fact still remains that the podcast as we knew it, fans of the Joe Budden podcast, is no more. And the way it became so public and messy, I don't see them like coming back from this. Before, during like the first breakup for like a month or so, we weren't hearing anything from like Maul and Rory's side. We heard a little bit from Joe's side because he did keep the podcast going and he brought in like two new co-hosts, two of his boys, Ice and Ish, and just continued doing it with them. But then this time around, after them coming back together, reshooting one episode, they fell out again and much more publicly with Joe firing them on air, Maul and Rory going to record their like official rebuttal podcast 
about everything that happened for an hour long and just airing out a bunch of shit to give their side of things, so on and so forth. And so many people have chimed in from uh, the casual listeners and fans to people like Kevin Hart. Joe subsequently apologized for some of his actions, but the point being that it blew up to a point that I think is beyond reconciliation, which sucks, but that's the way shit went down. But let's rewind it back and go over a bit of the chronology here. I don't even know if that's an actual word. So the Joe Budden podcast, very popular podcast, was a Spotify exclusive podcast for a span of two years at a, a two-year two licensing deal. And they were Spotify's number one podcast during those two years. When it came time to renegotiate, and this was just to put things in the proper context, the time period in which Spotify paid about $250 million for Bill Simmons' The Ringer Network of podcasts, another $100 million for the Joe Rogan three-year licensing deal of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. And it came time for the Joe Budden podcast to renegotiate. They apparently weren't happy with the terms. Spotify even put out a official response saying that they were like sad to see them go, but you know, they offered them a pretty lucrative deal and they turned it down. And to hear Joe and Rory Mall speak about it, they alluded to the fact that the offer was around 20 or $30 million, but for outright ownership of the JVP. And long story short, they declined that deal, walked away, went, you know, continued to be independent, made a deal with Cash App, which started sponsoring the podcast, you know, again, remaining independent, continued making their money while assumingly shopping around for, you know, exclusivity or some other other sort of deal behind the scenes. And they've been doing that ever since. I'm going to fill in some of the details of the timeline with the context of hindsight of what we know now. So then one day, Joe tells Rory, one of the co-hosts, not to come in. They've apparently been like beefing a bit behind the scenes uh, at this point. And keep in mind, this is like a group of guys that have known each other for like over a decade. They consider them themselves friends, but they don't have in terms of the business any like contracts in place, which quick aside, if Jesus Christ resurrects, comes back right now and wants to start a business with you, make sure you have a contract that outlines every single detail of every single possibility with a full partnership agreement, rights of refusal, every T crossed, every I dotted, period, no matter what. Or don't go into business with Jesus because if it can go left, it will go left. Money has a funny way of doing that or having that influence on people regardless of how strong you believe your bonds are. But anyway, they didn't have any like contracts any uh, or specific contracts in in place they did have a uh, partnership agreement apparently that was based on a percentage split for Rory and Mall of whatever the podcast generated bottom line net not gross and Joe Budden obviously had the lion's share and owns the IP for it right being the podcast that he created but then the crux of the issue is that after you know Joe deciding to forego not only the Spotify deal, but before the Spotify deal, there was a, a title offer to go exclusively as a podcast on title. And that came out to be about 40 grand per month, which is almost half a million dollars. And Joe said no to that, which smart because I mean, if you go from that to within a year and a half or so, or two years, a, you know, 20, $30 million offer from Spotify, you were right, you know, uh, but then he foregoes that. And Rory and Maul that have, you know, been going along for the ride all along, obviously. And I don't necessarily mean episode one. I believe Rory was around episode 20 something, but he was still behind the scenes for episode one. And Maul came around episode 70 something of the podcast. And the podcast is now up to episodes like 400 something, 430 something. But they were definitely around from the point in time where the podcast started becoming what it became. And like I said in the beginning, in my opinion, they are two of the specific main ingredients of the three ingredients necessary to make that podcast what it was. But anyway, so the crux of the issue and why they were beefing behind the scenes at this point is that Rory and Maul, more so Rory, I believe, was asking for uh, accounting and auditing of the numbers to find out, okay, we have this percentage-based contract, but we don't know what 
Yeah, and you know, we're getting paid and they're getting paid admittedly well, according to them. According to Joe Budden, you know, they were getting paid like in the top five or one percent of all podcasters, period. A statement that both Rory and Maul did not disagree to, but they still stated that they didn't know what that number was that their percentage is based off of. So they are getting paid well, but they still don't know what that number is, what that net bottom line number that their income is being based off of. And obviously from their point of view, now, if I tell you, I'm going to pay you 10% off whatever I make, and I start giving you money without telling you what I made, whether that money is good money or bad money, you don't know if I'm truly paying you 10% of whatever it is that I made. You don't know what I made. I'm just telling you here, this is your 10%. So they asked to know what those numbers are. And they got their attorneys involved, their accountants involved, and rightfully so. I mean, I think a little, like I said in the beginning, before getting involved in anything like this, all those details should have been drawn out, in my opinion. Again, regardless if you're boys or whatever. But hindsight's twenty twenty. I guess. It's a teachable moment for anyone listening to this or seeing that experience and moving forward in some sort of business endeavor or relationship with someone. So anyway, Joe tells Rory not to come in for a few episodes, not to come in to record. He texts him this. Rory pretty much asks why, and Joe doesn't return. I think he, the claim is that he just put exclamation points, you know, like how you can do on iPhones, you can add like exclamation points or question marks or hard or like or whatever the fuck on a piece of text. He just exclamation pointed his own initial text of don't come into the show. And long story short, Maul also took offense to this because he's like, yo, I'm like one third of this thing. And you just made that decision with you know, without speaking to me, without, you know, like what the hell is going on? Plus again, with this backdrop of them trying to figure out like what this money situation is, what it really is. And Joe Budden's response to that was, fuck you. This is mine. I own this. And he literally told Maul, again, co-host for upwards of 375 to 400 shows. What I decide to do with this podcast is none of your business, which is (laughs) clearly offensive, right? Whether you own the IP or not, somebody that sat next to you building something for 400 episodes that does have a a percentage, not ownership, but royalty split with you. And fuck that. Even if they didn't have the royalty split with you, the fact that they help you build something, they worked with you on building something consistently for 400 plus episodes to have you say, this is none of your business is kind of like, what the fuck? Then after that, Apparently, they all spoke behind the scenes, and they agreed to take a month off from the podcast. They said, let's all go figure our own shit shit out, all this accounting stuff, and then we'll get back to it. Then, a couple days later, I believe the the JBP releases twice a week, either on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then on Saturdays. Um, Then, so for that next show, Rory and Maul weren't there, obviously, Uh, but Joe did do a show with two other people, Ice and Ish, two of his boys. Not podcasters or anything like that, but just two friends of his, which apparently that's how Rory and Maul, you know, they didn't know that that was going to happen, basically, which was clearly a flex on Joe's part of I can do what I want with my show, which you can, and I don't need you guys to do it, which again, I think is technically true, but like I said before, it's not the same thing to me. And again, that's not taken away from Ice and Ish. Maybe it could become even better than how it was with Rory and Maul, but time will tell. Regardless, though, it's a distasteful way to go about things, in my opinion. From Joe's perspective, he said on an episode of the podcast that he couldn't just stop doing the show, even though it was, according to Rory and Maul, his idea for everybody to take a month off and just, you know, figure shit out. He said on air that it's not responsible of him to just stop doing the show and not giving the fans what they, you know, what they expect and, and, you know, fucking up that loyalty with with the fans and... As podcasters know, consistency is key, right? If you have whatever size audience that you have and you're used to releasing on a certain schedule, once you stop that, once you break that, that trust and that reliability from a fan's perspective to go listen to your episode on such and such day every week, they'll stop dropping like flies. So he cited that as well as the fact that he has a team, you know, he has like half a dozen people that eat off of that podcast from camera people to parks 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 who hands the production joe's management the editor etc which he does have a point on that 
But if it's true, what Maul and Rory say that it was pretty much his idea or their collective agreement to step away from the podcast for a month, then obviously that was a shady thing to do. That was like a, a two-faced thing to do. So on one hand, tell your co-host, yeah, okay, fuck it. Let's all think about this. Take a step back for a month, recalibrate and come back and do our thing. And then a couple of days later, you're shooting the same show with two other people. But anyway, then a month goes by and Rory and Maul finally come back. So it was like six or seven episodes in between without them. Then they come back on episode, I believe, 436, 436 or 435. And they give a watered down version of what happened. And that's where Maul mentions the fact that, you know, Joe told him that this podcast is not his business, which then Joe then apologized for. Rory tells his side of the accounting and the need for transparency and things like that. Joe is largely quiet for the most part, then mentions during that episode that he's taking a vacation. And then the next time that we get an episode, oh, and by the way, they said that they met for and had like a five or six hour meeting and like work shit out for the most part. And then the next time they get an episode, Joe's by himself and Rory and Maul are again not there. And this is episode 437, which was put out and then taken down by the Joe Budden podcast. But by the time it was put out, you know, people had already copied it, recorded it and re-put it out. You can find it on YouTube. You know, big uh, media outlets like The Breakfast Club picked it up and aired out like snippets of it. And it was pretty much Joe Budden on air, flipping on both Rory and Maul, doubling down on, you know, he's the owner. He can't stop feeding people just because they think that they're privy to more information than they should be privy to, et cetera, et cetera, and fires both of them, says that they're both fired, and then adds that they can't do their own podcast within a year. Well, he says that they're fired because they're in breach of contract for not showing up to work, says that in their contracts, it states that they can't do their own podcast for about a year, and if they do, he's going to sue them. So it just got very messy, very dirty, very... On one hand, sad to see like something like that happen. And on the other hand, obviously entertaining, right? It's why I'm speaking about it now. It's why so many people and, you know, podcast heads online picked it up and even mainstream media outlets. So much so that Kevin Hart even spoke about it on his podcast. And Kevin Hart uh, denounced, I don't know if denounced is the right word, but pretty much spoke negatively on joe's actions and told him that what he did was or reflected a failure of leadership and then joe you know after getting so much backlash online from fans and other folks like royce the five nine uh, which was a partner of his on slaughterhouse hit him up as well and, you know he's friend he's cool with maul as well and was trying to be like peer mediator and you know told told joe on air actually on one of the episodes that comes out that he fucked it up and and you know he should fix it the way he handled it was wrong etc but joe apologized for certain things not everything uh but but you know took ownership of that did say that it was bad leadership that it was his bad on certain things and but more so kind of leaned into the fact that it was bad leadership because if you guys thought that you did have a right to know what my bottom line was then that was like failed leadership on my part because I should have explained better that you didn't have that right. So it's kind of like a veiled kind of apology type of scenario, in my opinion, or like a bit disingenuous. But yeah, and that apology episode came about after Rory and Maul. I skipped this step, kind of skipped it, because a lot of the context that I was adding throughout this little timeline was based on the one hour rebuttal that Rory and Maul recorded. So they did record a you know one-off podcast. Interestingly enough, at WTF Media Studios, which is owned by Alex Media and Wheezy, Alex Media being the producer of the Flagrant 2 podcast, which is hosted by Andrew Schultz and Akash Singh. Andrew Schultz, who is one half of the Brilliant Idiots podcast as well, co-hosted with Charlemagne the God, which again is the podcast that had beef with the Joe Bunnett podcast, or like a rivalry. And Rory and Maul went to record their rebuttal at WTF Media Studios, which to me was like a, when I saw that, I was like, oh shit. <laughs> it was like a like a subliminal, kind of like fuck you to Joe. But yeah, that's where they aired out a lot of the details and like their point of view on how and why things went left. 
and highlighted like a when they did finally receive numbers from Joe Budden's legal team and an accountant, there was like a four hundred thousand dollar discrepancy that wasn't accounted for, which Rory caught himself even before sending to his accountant for review, sent it back to Joe's uh, accountants. They agreed that it was a $400,000 mistake, which rightfully on the side of Rory and Maul is kind of like, what the fuck? Just kind of reinforces the fact that there's either some fuckery going on or just gross negligence, which ultimately fucks with everybody's bottom line. And now they did say that Rory Amal did that this was just like a one and done response that they weren't, weren't going to speak on this again. But interestingly enough, and I don't know how, you know, true that whole Rory Amal can't go, you know, record or put out like their own podcast within a year. I don't know how, how much truth there is to that, but Maul did tweet some new podcast art, like a podcast logo. He kind of like teased it. He didn't like add any context to it, but it's, two beards one of them black with a a yankee fitted and then the other one is like a redhead beard because roy is a white dude with red hair or orange hair it's like that redhead hair that's so red that it's orange and maul is always wearing a fitted and you know he has a black beard and it's just two beards with no faces no background it's just like a blank like whitish gray background and you just see an, a yankee fitted with the black beard and then next to it the orange beard and it looked dope i like the art and again it's sad that they broke up the way they did kind of inevitable inevitable in my opinion from what i said earlier about making sure that whenever you're, you're in any type of business with anyone doesn't matter who it is make sure you have a full-fledged partnership agreement in place prior to embarking on said business dealings this way everybody knows what's what when and if money does come into the picture big money small money doesn't matter but yeah, even though inevitable from that point of view, it's still sad to see after a seven-year run. But who knows? Maybe Rory and Maul will go off and do their own podcast and blow up and make a, a dope podcast in their own right. Or maybe not podcast at all. We'll see. And on the flip side, Joe Budden is definitely going to continue his podcast. He hasn't stopped since. And he has continued to have Ish and Ice on, but also alluded to having rotating guests or guest hosts rather. And we'll see where that goes. Either way, it's definitely the end of an era. The Joe Budden Podcast. Bronzeville is a scripted audio drama podcast that I actually recently featured as a podcast of the week in my newsletter. And for those of you who have been living under a rock, the Spun Today newsletter is completely free and available to you on a weekly basis delivered to your mailbox every Monday at noon. All you have to do is go to sponsoraid.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address, and you'll get the very next one. And season one of Bronzeville came out in 2017, 2017, 2018. And recently, a few weeks ago, the second season began to drop on a weekly basis. And I featured it as my podcast of the week because it was so dope the first time around when I listened to it. So much so that I kept checking back for it, you know, months after it was over to see if there was a second season or not. And when I found out that there was a second season and it came out, it started coming out, I got like super excited, went back and re-listened to 10 episodes of season one before I began listening to season two. And each episode, just to give you an idea, is about 45 minutes to an hour long. So Bronzeville is a scripted audio drama podcast and it was written by Josh Olson. It's produced by Lorenz Tate, who also plays the main character, Jimmy Tillman. And the quick aside is a vampire because he's looked the same my entire life. Black don't crack. And it's acted by some of the best on-screen actors and actresses that we've ever seen. And I don't mean some like new actors that are acting for a podcast that do such a great job that they could be like some of the best actors ever. I mean like legit some of the best actors ever. And I'm going to read you some of their names. From season one, Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, Morpheus. Tika Sumter. Lorenz Tate, which I mentioned. His brother, Lamar Tate. Michael Raymond James. Dexter Darden, which is in the new, um, like, Saved by the Bell spinoff. He's like the black dude that they think is a jock, but could, like, sing his ass off and is into the arts. Corey Hardrick. Afion Crockett. 
Peter McKenzie, Amari Hardwick, Tracy Ellis Ross, Wood motherfucking Harris, Brittany Snow, Lance Reddick, which was uh, Lieutenant Daniels from The Wire, Antoine Tanner, which was Drano in the movie Sunset Park. How many of y'all saw that? Barry Shabaka Henley. And it goes on and on. Marcus T. Polk, which I looks like Moesha's little brother from that show, Moesha. Remember that? That's from season one. Let me read you a few more from season two. Barton Fitzpatrick, which plays Reg on The Shy. Makai Pfeiffer. Oba Babatunde. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Paul Ben Victor. Faye Hauser. Kyla Pratt. Ben Bledsoe, and it goes on and on. It's like a star-studded cast. Like, if this was like an on-screen production, like a movie or something, it would be like a huge budget. And like I said, this is a scripted audio drama, and I'm going to play you the trailer from season one so you guys can get an idea of what it's like. But what it is, to me, is truly is a theater of the mind. It's what I attempt to do with my short story audiobooks that I put out on this podcast where I add sound effects and stuff to try to like enhance the experience and it's not just like reading of the words of the story. This is that, but on steroids and done to absolute perfection. Like it is so interesting and captivating and just hooks you in from the get-go. From the beginning where Jimmy Tillman is in Arkansas and there's like some sort of meeting about like unionizing and going on strike and stuff like that and then some strike breakers come to like break it up and in self-defense he winds up killing one of the white strike breakers so he has to flee arkansas and he goes up up north where things are a little bit less jim crowish to chicago and then he falls in with this dude called casper who's a numbers runner uh he befriends jimmy tillman lorenz tate's character and brings him into the Copeland organization, which is the family that runs Bronzeville. And there's like mob ties and dirty cops and politicians. And it's so dope. I really, really want you guys to check it out. And it's so dope, actually, that it was actually just recently greenlit for a TV series. Like, that's how amazing this thing is. But even if you don't think that a scripted audio podcast drama theater of the mind type of thing is not your thing. Check it out, at least one episode, at least half an episode, and give it a shot. Because honestly, it, it's never been my type of thing, uh, podcast-wise, and I instantly fell in love. Either way, here's the trailer for season one. You're listening to radio station WKW in Chicago, Illinois. June 11th, 1945, our big story. Brother man, brother man. How lucky do you feel today? Sorry, what? Numbers, brother. I'm talking about the policy wheel, country. Name's not country. It's Jimmy. Welcome to Bronzeville, my brother. The wheels keep spinning. Nothing can stop them. That was Curtis Eyeball Randall. He built all this. Then he handed it off to Everett Copeland. Zeke, Jesse, my brother. (laughs) All of it. They got a piece of it. The hospital, the library. Hell, they own the best clubs. I was neck deep in all of it, Anna. I knew that when I met you, baby. How I get so lucky to end up with you? Lord watches over all of us. He delivered me to you just as surely as he delivered you to me. Listen, Curtis. I'm asking you. You're asking me to go back to doing what I used to do. I don't know if Jesse can keep it all together. Everybody, down on the floor! Someone hit the department store. Someone hit the bank. Put the money in the bag! If I do what you're asking me to do, Everett, we risk losing everything. Lisa Copeland. Lisa Copeland. That is Miss Lisa Copeland. The best way to stay in charge is to make him think he's in charge. Do I think you need to be protected? Nah. That might be why I like you, Jimmy. Well, as I live and breathe, better off with Bonds. Hello, Zeke. Frank Bonds been in town the past few weeks. He's doing business, he's hitting clubs, he's all over. (laughs) All these color folks, we all get together. We got some real power in this town. You need to stand strong. Company go! When the day comes that you're standing in front of him, the day when you are about to be judged, are you going to be able to meet his eye? Are you going to tell him you never lined the devil's pockets? There's always someone tougher waiting to take his shot. Gotta be smart. Gotta be ready for anything. Ronsville. Tell me that didn't sound dope as hell to you. And if not, then, eh. 
para los gustos se hicieron los colores. Either way, I will link to the Bronzeville podcast in the episode notes. If you guys are interested, I'll link to both the iTunes as well as Spotify links, which again, I featured in the Spun Today newsletter podcast of the week a week or two ago and strongly recommend that you guys check it out. Bronzeville. UFOs, unidentified flying objects. UAPs, unidentified aerial phenomenon. Are we alone in this universe? I don't know. I don't think so, but I don't know. I am going to share, however, some pieces of interesting revelations that have become mainstream as of late, as it relates to the possibility of us not being alone in the universe, of aliens actually existing. So recently there was a long, well, not long, a 60-minute special that was 60 minutes long <laughs> related to UFOs, which, full disclosure, I have not seen, but from clips that I've seen and my understanding of how that series was compiled, it was rolled up from a bunch of different events that I am familiar with, such as the work of journalist and documentarian Jeremy Corbell with Bob Lazar, who used to work in Area 51 or a site off of Area 51, which I believe was called S4, as well as Commander David Fraber's incident with the tic-tac-shaped UFO off the coast of California. Commander David Fraber is like the real-life version of like Tom Cruise's character is like a top gun fighter pilot jet person. And they also use interviews with Luis Elizondo, for example, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to touch on some of those things. The New York Times put out an article written by Helen Cooper, Ralph Blumenthal, and Leslie Keen on December 16th, 2017, which outlined several things. And I took down some bullet points that I felt worth sharing. And this article, along with a few other articles and videos and interviews, I'm going to link to in the episode notes in case you guys want to dive a little deeper and have a look for yourselves. And again, I'm going to be quoting from this New York Times article written on December 16th, 2017. There was a 600 billion with a B annual defense department budget, $22 million of which was spent on a secret government program known as the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, a.k.a. ATIP. It was run by military intelligence official Luis Elizondo on the fifth floor of the Pentagon's C-Ring, deep within the building's maze. Prior to this, the Defense Department has never before acknowledged the existence of the program, and since, it has said that it was shut down in 2012. But backers of the program state that even though the Pentagon did end the funding for it, in 2012, the program still very much so remains in existence. And a little background on the program, it states the shadowy program, parts of which remain classified, began in 2007, and initially it was largely funded at the request of Harry Reid, which was the then Senate Majority Leader. And I've seen like interviews and clips and stuff with Senator Harry Reid, and he was like very much so into like UFOs and believes aliens exist, etc. Then the article goes on to say, most of the money went to an aerospace research company run by billionaire entrepreneur and a longtime Fred friend of Harry Reid, which is Robert Bigelow. Robert Bigelow is also currently working with NASA to produce expandable crafts for humans to use in space. Robert Bigelow is like an eccentric billionaire, interesting character. He, if you're interested in in Looking deeper into him, he was on Rogan's podcast, episode number 1612. He is definitely a believer that aliens exist, but a little like too sure of it for my taste. Because it's like, there's no absolute evidence, at least that the mass public knows, right? There's no like without a doubt, concrete evidence that one can point to. So you can either believe or not believe, but... He has like this sort of, he comes off anyway as having this sort of, not just belief, but like certainty about it. And he's almost like proselytizing. How do you say that word? I don't know. He's like a strong advocate for it. Anyway, I digress. Bigelow does say, and this is part of the article, that internationally, we are the most backward country in the whole world on this issue. 
Mr. Bigelow said in an interview, our scientists are scared of being ostracized and our media is scared of the stigma. China and Russia are much more open and work on this with huge organizations within their countries. Smaller countries like Belgium, France, England, and South American countries like Chile are more open too. They are proactive and willing to discuss this topic rather than being held back by a juvenile taboo, which I'm all for, right? Like the only way you get anywhere with anything in terms of like figuring shit out or handling problems within one another or just getting to the source of truth is by discussion, by interaction, not by just like shunning something and pretending it doesn't exist. So that's definitely like a, a practical statement that he made. Anyway, going back to the article, officials with the program have also studied videos of encounters between unknown objects and American military aircraft, including one released in August of a whitish oval object about the size of a commercial plane chased by two Navy FA-18F fighter jets from the aircraft carrier Nimitz off the coast of San Diego in 2004. Now, this was the event with Commander David Fravor, which I referenced earlier. And here's a quote from a Time article that came out on this. In 2004, Commander David Fravor witnessed what came to be known as the Tic Tac UFO incident on a training run over the Pacific Ocean, 140 miles southwest of San Diego. At the time, he was stationed aboard the USS Nimitz as the commanding officer or strike fighter squadron 41 also known as the Black Aces. The incident broke into the mainstream media after the New York Times republished a story reported by fellow UFO festival presenter and investigative journalist George Knapp. Now, Favor's encounter of this, he states that he was on a routine training mission off the coast of California in 2004 when his unit was directed to go and examine strange unidentified objects that were descending from 80,000 feet to 20,000 feet and then disappearing. And they were doing so in like seconds. So it's something that no, and this is almost a direct quote, I'm paraphrasing, um, Luis Elizondo, who again was running ATIP, who again was the military intelligence officer running ATIP, he stated that no known technology that we have, we as the United States, but like scientific world included, that we do not have in our inventory. Like, we don't have any, like, ship or plane or vehicle that is able to maneuver in this fashion from 80,000 feet to 20,000 feet in a matter of seconds and then disappearing. So going back to this, upon flying 60 miles to the location, Fravor says he saw a tic-tac-shaped object 40 feet long with no wings, just hanging close to the water. And Commander Dave Fravor, by the way, was also on Rogan's podcast, episode 1361, if you want to have a deeper listen, but he was also one of the videos that were corroborated by the the Pentagon as being actual video footage that they can't explain, and then coupled with Commander David Fravor's coming forth with this information, which, by the way, he's not like some, some quack pilot guy. He's like the elite of the elite that has never spoken about or ever had any experiences related to UFOs. He who's actually reluctant to come forward with this information because he knows the stigma behind it and it would stain his otherwise decorated military career. But it was such a huge revelation that he came out with it anyway, or decided to, to come out with it rather. There is video of this. It's radar video from, from the plane where the radar was actually able to be to lock on to this thing that was flying and track it as long as, as long as, the, the radar mechanisms were able to do so. Again, video link to in the episode notes. It was really interesting shit. And to hear, hear Fravor speak about it, he says that not only was it going from like 80,000 feet to 20,000 feet and then disappearing and stuff like that, it was maneuvering in weird ways. It was going and stopping within a second. It was traveling super fast, faster than, again, anything, any vehicles that we have. There's no visual propulsion systems, like no boosts or fire or anything and i don't remember if it was favor's video or, or another video that was corroborated by by the pentagon but there was also a video where they're stating that these things often come around and they go into the water so it's like flying through air f- going through our oceans apparently 
potentially able to fly through space. And it's fucking wild. Apparently, it was also jamming his radar, which is thought of as an act of war, or it's considered an act of war. There was also a situation, which again, I'm not sure if this was Fravor's situation or, or the other one, but where like pilots have a like secret rendezvous longitude and latitude where they're supposed to meet once they go up and, and fly. And this aircraft went to that location, which again is like a secret. Nobody knows it, but the pilot and I guess base or mission control or whatever you call those folks. So that's just fucking wild. And just so damn interesting. If you're not interested in this stuff, I mean, I get it, I guess, but you're fucking weird. Now, just a couple more things on the topic, some speculation and just some random thoughts. Uh, An interesting stat that I heard was, or is rather, that the deepest part, just to put things in a bit of context, the deepest part of any of our oceans is the Mariana Trench, which is in the western pacific ocean and it's about seven miles deep that's like thirty-five thousand feet and just to put it into context with like space and the universe the deepest part of our ocean is thirty-five thousand feet deep and we as human beings have not been able to explore more than five percent of our ocean oceans so over 95 percent of our oceans has never been explored like we don't have the capabilities to so Knowing that fact and just projecting, like, imagine, like, how many different, like, fish and creatures and octopus and shit are in the ocean that we haven't even discovered yet. Applying that to, like, outer space and the vastness that we know that that is, to me, is just, like, a no-brainer. Like, that's why I believe there's something, must be something. Now, if they're coming by and going into our oceans and fucking with fish and shit, (laughs) I don't know. Um, that would explain fucking squids and octopus to me. If you guys haven't seen, like, there's literally, you, you guys should definitely Google this and I'll, I'll see if I can find like a good clip to put in the ocean. But like octopus have, uh, this ability to like blend in with their environment, but it's not just like picture, like an octopus that you would draw, like when you were a kid or something like this big circle head with like eight arms and tentacles and fucking suction cups on all the arms and stuff. Picture that type of octopus squid looking thing that can literally turn into the shape of a jagged rock and change its color but not only its color but its texture to literally turn into that rock like not the same exact size as he is but smaller bigger it's just fucking wild it like if you see it you think it's like cgi and like some like fake photographic fuckery type of thing but you can literally see videos of these animals doing this wild shit and it's pretty fucking nuts it looks alien as fuck to me <laughs> but um but yeah i don't know um if they are coming if aliens are coming and like starting to visit or they have in the past and we just haven't been told about it, it it makes sense like i was thinking like would people like alien people or life forms or whatever be on these ships it kind of makes sense in the like estimates of Commander David Fravor that it was like uh, some sort of ship or vessel that was like 40 feet long. But I have heard, like, again, corroborated encounters of le- legit unidentified sightings of things that were just like six feet wide or something like that. So to me, it's like maybe it's not actual beings coming over, but rather like their version of drones. But who knows? And then the the beef that I have with all this is like in situations like Commander David Fravor and stuff like this. And there's folks that explain why like the footage and the video looks like so grainy and so shitty because all fo- all of these like types of fo- footages like look like shit. Right. Um, and it's because it's captured by multiple different mechanisms on the plane. It's like radar and sonar is not the right word, but there's like different mechanisms, radio waves that are used to lock onto this object and capture it. My question, my beef is why can't they strap on a fucking GoPro on that shit as well, you know, and get us some like legit dope looking footage, especially if it's like what one of the encounters with uh, military, they say that uh, there's like a, a nuclear facility nearby and that they always see these things like flying around there. So it's like, if it constantly happens, like, try to get some legit footage 
but who knows maybe they have it maybe they don't anyway the last thing i'll say on this is that there is a deadline coming up and if i'm not mistaken this is something that was written into the covid covid uh, relief bill and the deadline is coming up where the pentagon has to by late june issue an unclassified report to congress on all that they know on ufo sightings will they actually do it will it be a legit report where they still hide some shit we probably wouldn't have a way of knowing but that is out there and i'm interested interested to see what comes from that in late june and to quote the movie contact which i believe was quoting carl sagan if we are alone in the universe what an awful waste of space Anyway, folks, that's the show. That's all I have for you. That is episode 181 of the Sponsor Today podcast. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. Please stick around to hear some of the ways you can help support this show. Peace. What's up, folks? Tony here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast as much as I enjoy producing it for you. Here are a few quick ways you can help support this show. You can support the Spun Today podcast by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. There you'll find my merch section where you can cop the iconic podcasts versus anybody t-shirt in a wide variety of different colors and all different sizes. Also, if you're into cycling, you can cop the super soft, comfortable, minimalist design Spun Today Bike Club t-shirt. Also available in a bunch of different colors and all different sizes. There are a few other designs of different types of t-shirts. Definitely go there and check it out. SpunToday.com forward slash support. It's the merch section where you can also get a dope coffee mug. I have coffee mugs with the brand new redesigned Spun Today logo on one side and the tagline that I end every show with on the other, which is start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. The mug is available in both black and white because we don't discriminate here at the Spun Today podcast. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash support and check out the merch section. You can support the Spun Today podcast by checking out my writing. You can go to spuntoday.com forward slash free writing and check out some of my free association writing, which is intended to be some cathartic free writing, but oftentimes doubles down as motivation for myself and others. At spuntoday.com forward slash short stories, you can read a bunch of the different short stories that I've written and actually listen to the audiobook versions of those short stories there as well. Another way you can help support my writing is by going to spuntoday.com forward slash books and checking out what I have in store for sale. Digital copies are available in all formats, whether it be Kindle, iBooks, or a different type of e-reader. You can also purchase paperback copies if that's your preferred reading method. Currently available, I have my nonfiction, Make Way For You, which is a collection of freely written thoughts, that were curated and put together as tips for getting out of your own way. Also available is my debut time travel novel titled Fractal. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash books to show your support. Support the Spun Today podcast by following me on social at Spun Today on Twitter, at Spun Today on Instagram. Please also check out and like my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Spun Today and subscribe to my YouTube page as well. On my YouTube page, not only will you get these full-length episodes, but you'll also get to check out some chopped-up clips and bonus content. To get to my YouTube page, just search Spun Today on YouTube or click on any of the YouTube icons on the footer of my website. Also, don't forget to rate and review this podcast wherever it is that you're listening. It really does help. The Spun Today newsletter is available to each and every one of my listeners absolutely for free. All you have to do is go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and drop in your email address. What I'm going to do is brighten up everybody's least favorite day of the week by delivering five curated things within my weekly newsletter every Monday at noon. You're going to receive a photo of the week, a recommended podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts from an array of varied interests. I cherry pick the very best ones so that you can check them out. I also share a video of the week, which can be anything from a tasty recipe to a dope rap battle to an enlightening TED talk. I also share a quote of the week. And finally, for my fellow wordsmiths out there, a word of the week so that you can step up your vocab. 
Again, this curated list is yours absolutely free by going to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe and dropping in your email address and you can unsubscribe at any time. Again, go to spuntoday.com forward slash subscribe, drop in your email address and you'll get the very next one. If you want to help support the Spun Today podcast financially, you can do so by going to spuntoday.com forward slash support. Here you'll find a few different ways that you can do so. You can shop on Amazon, but first go to my website, spuntoday.com forward slash support, click on the Amazon banner, which will take you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It will not cost you anything extra, but I will get credit for driving traffic to their website. Another cool way that you can help support this show is through Patreon, where you can set up reoccurring donations to my podcast, whether it be $1 per show, $2 per show, etc. And depending on how much you choose to pledge, you will receive some Patreon perks in return. Things like free writing pieces, free bookmarks, free digital copies of my books, etc. Again, my Patreon link can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. You can also set up similar reoccurring payments via my Ko-fi page. And if you want to send a one-time happiness bomb donation, if you will, you can do so via my PayPal link. Again, all of which can be found at spuntoday.com forward slash support. If you're a fellow creative, a cool way that you can help support the Spun Today podcast and actually be part of the podcast is by filling out my five-question questionnaire located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. Here you'll find five open questions related to your craft, your art, what inspires you to create, what type of unrelated hobbies you're into, and what motivates you to get your work done. You can choose to remain anonymous or plug your website and your work. And once you submit your questionnaire, I read your responses on a future episode of the Spun Today podcast. It's completely free at no cost to you. And what I like to say about it is that if your responses could potentially spark inspiration in someone else, why not share that? Spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And as always, folks, substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams. Thanks for listening. I love you, Aiden. I love you, Daddy.